It's time, D-Heads. Disney Blue presents Disney On Demand. Every week, Disney Blue lets you relive the magic, the movies, and the memories with celebrity guests, the best of classic Disney, and breaking news on Disney's latest. So put on your ears and give it a little bibbidi-bobbidi-boo. Disney Blue's Disney On Demand is on the air! Now, here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues, Disney On Demand, and March has arrived. And this week for show number 167, for the week of March 2nd, 2017, we are well into the Easter season. Yes, Ash Wednesday has passed, everybody is done with Fat Tuesday, and this week we're welcoming a very special guest. Go back to those childhood days, those days of teen idols, and so much more as we have Willie Ames stepping in here at the show. Now, Willie, you may know from a variety of different shows like is enough charles in charge the wonderful world of disney runaway on the rogue river bible man and so much more and willie's going to stop in and talk about a variety of different things what it was like working on a variety of these television series that have gone down in cinematic history the walt disney company disneyland his band what's he doing now his fondest disney memories and so much more in addition, no show would be complete without the D-Team. And last week, yes, we had a little bit of a light team, but this week, we have a full house of the D-Team here for you. Yes, we have the magic for your ears, as Paige is going to stop in with a magical music review. We have Cody taking that stroll down the Hollywood Walk with a little bit more about our very special guest, Willie Ames. We have Jason going deep into the vault with another Blu-ray and DVD you have to add to your collection. And you have the questions, and he has the answers. And Aaron is going to answer all those questions, and I want to know. We have Dominic, who's given you another short leash with those tips and tricks for a Walt Disney World vacation. And let's not forget Caitlin with the latest from the Walt Disney World Resort with WDW and 2. We have all kinds of news hot off the D-Wire from the Disney Channel, the Magic Kingdom, Walt Disney World Resort, Pandora, the Oscars, Moana, you name it, lots of things within the Walt Disney Company this week. So before we officially kick off this week's show, I do want to mention that Diz Radio is probably sponsored by Mickey's Travel. And Mickey's Travel is 100% free, no fee agency. They're going to help you plan, book, and prepare and make the most magical vacation that you could possibly have for your loved ones. Make it memorable, lasting, and so much more. So definitely check them out, mickeystravel.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So, all VD heads, with that said, we have a jam-packed show, lots of fun things on the horizon, so let's officially kick off show number 167 for the week of March 2nd, 2017, by putting a special individual in charge with his best friend, Buddy. Be right back, all VD heads. The new boy in the neighborhood lives downstairs and it's understood. He's there just to take good care of me Like he's one of the family Charles in charge of our days and our nights Charles in charge of our wrongs and our rights And I see
to a bird in their dealings with pressed envelope to Davis and Kurt. Right down that always happens when you're in a room. Ever have one of those days when nothing seems to go right? This man has big problems. Not only a flat tire, he's lost his elephant. But a fun-loving boy and a runaway elephant are on the high road to adventure. Where do you think you're going with my elephant? Don't miss Runaway on the Rogue River, only on the Disney Channel. Hi, this is Willie Ames from Eight is Enough and Charles in Charge, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Listening to Disney on Demand. Wow, it's dark in here. Wow, and now it's Finally too bright. Taking you on those magical journeys from your lifetime of Disney. Carrie, Carrie McKean. It's like Carrie only with a K instead of a C and an A instead of an E and only one R and an I instead of an I. It's Disney on Demand. Well, it started out like any normal sitting gig, you know, with the reassuring of the parent and all. Here's your host, Jonathan Johnson. I just wish I could forget the whole thing. You will, kid. You will. All right, all of you D-heads, so I hope you enjoyed the official kickoff for show number 167 for the week of March 2nd, 2017, as we're gearing up for the ex-teen idol, the person that helped Charles be in charge, somebody who ate was definitely enough, as we have Willie Ames stopping in here at the show very shortly. We have tons of things coming from the D-team, as we have Paige, Cody, Jason, Aaron, Dominic, and Caitlin all stopping in here this week with their signature segments. All kinds of news hot off the D-wire, so before we just jump into it right away, I do want to give you all the different ways you can stay connected here at the show. And first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com. That's D-I-Z Radio. 
Radio.com. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. Com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Disney On Demand, Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U, or Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio. All of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, quirky, magical little show. And remember, if you just can't wait and you need the latest show as soon as it gets released, you can get it for your iPhone, your Android, your tablet, your iPod, you name it just by going to iTunes or Stitcher Radio. Go to either of those sites, subscribe right there, and get the magic for your ears as soon as the newest shows get released. And remember, I do tend to talk fast. So, if you can't remember all of this, go to DizRadio.com, D-I-Z-Radio.com, and all the links are listed there as well. So let's jump into news hot off the D-Wire. And mind you, we have a huge show here this week, but there wasn't much going on. Because it was Oscar week, there wasn't too much going on within the Disney company. But let's shift into Disney Channel. And how about Debbie Ryan, who everybody knows from Jesse, is set to star in an all-new CW series pilot called insatiable yes it is official that debbie ryan is heading back to television the actress best known for her disney channel roles as bailey on the sweet life on deck and the nanny with big hollywood dreams on jesse has snagged the lead role in insatiable a new pilot for the cw network now as people are saying doses of debbie are going to be on tv once again now unlike her past disney channel comedy shows that we all know her for this pilot is a drama which focuses on a lawyer named bob who's fed up with his job decides to become a beauty coach and move on into his career that way. His first client is Debbie's character Patty, a smart girl who used to be bullied for her weight. Now after she ends up with a broken jaw and loses 70 pounds, she emerges as a stunning as ever and beautiful and Bob offers to transform her into a pro beauty queen and it looks like that she just might be out for revenge according to the description of the show. Now this pilot does sound a little intense, but it is going to be fun. And she is the key character that is going to be, I guess, say out for revenge every single week. Now there are going to be other people that will be on the show as well because Cole Sprouse, who is already part of the CW network, as he plays Jughead on Riverdale. So they, many Disney Channel stars are joining that CW network. So Debbie Ryan is going to be on Insatiable on the CW network. Now moving forward, how about Disney Princesses and I Dare to Dream, an all-new web series that is getting launched. Now, Globe Telecom, in partnership with the Walt Disney Company of Southeast Asia, is redefining the landscape of the local entertainment by launching Disney Princess I Dare to Dream, a first-of-its-kind digitally reality series produced by Globe Studios in collaboration with Disney and Maker Studios. Now, inspired by Disney's iconic princesses and their incredible stories and qualities, the 12 episodes of the web series will bring viewers on a magical journey of six Filipino girls as they pursue their dreams with the help of various mentors. Now, there is going to be a veteran animator as well in Tito Romero and a chef, Jesse Sinico, as they are going to help these princesses kind of follow their dreams and move forward. Now, part of a wider global Disney princess initiative, Disney I Dare to Dream, which will start this week, puts emphasis on stories of six young girls in parallel stories with Disney princesses. Selected from a series of auditions last year, the six young Filipino girls, ages 9 to 16 with diverse interests, will show their journey of discovery, self-confidence, alongside many mentors and popular bloggers. Now, Disney is 
is using this as a first of its kind brand new and they are hoping to bring it to the United States in the upcoming years as well, which they've done with a variety of different princesses, I guess, over the last year. Now, inspiration, as they say, comes from within and these kids have big aspirations in life and we want to support them any way we possibly can. This is what makes it magical and special. Now you can watch these girls as they go through a stretch of their Disney princesses with I Dare to Dream on YouTube and many other places. Now moving aside from overseas with Disney and getting to the Disney Channel and how about Disney Channel ordering a third season of Elena of Avalor. Yes, Disney Channel has now ordered a third season of its hit series about a brave and adventurous teenager who rules her kingdom as crown princess Elena of Avalor. Now, the animated series premiered in July of 2016 and quickly became television's number one series for girls ages 2 to 11 years old in the United States and is honored with the National Hispanic Media Coalition Award as an Annie Award as well and ranked number one in its time slot with kids among the UK, Spain, and Portugal. Now, Elena of Avalar is inspired a variety of different things with a line of dolls from the Disney Store and Hasbro and many play sets and so much more. Every little girl loves this. I know my daughter loves Elena as well. Now, with this new season order, the creative team that's led by Craig Gerber and Sylvia Olivias has some exciting new surprises, as they said, in store for Elena on her journey of becoming queen. Now, they are looking forward to having all new young viewers follow along on her adventures with very different and very new stories for the third season. Now, as we all know, the series was created and executive produced by Emmy Award winning Craig Gerber. And this has gone on to just be a really huge thing. Now, everybody thought Sophia was going to be the one, but Elena has really gone on to shine in the spotlight as well. So now the third season is coming for Elena of Avalor. Now, like I said, it is kind of a light news week here, but how about Zootopia? We gotta give them a big thumbs up, a big round of applause, as Zootopia took the best animated feature in the Oscars this last weekend at the Academy Awards show. Yes, they have won that coveted prize of best animated feature. And let's not forget some of the other highlights. No, I'm not talking about the mix-up or the best picture goof. I'm just talking about some Disney stuff here. And how about the live performance from Moana. It was fantastic. That 16-year-old who voices Moana, she did an outstanding job of just nailing it live on stage. So it was a great sight to see, and I will relive that very shortly here as well because I think I might play that clip from the Oscars because it was a fantastic performance. Now also, we do have to bow our heads for Mighty Joe Young. Well, no, I'm not talking about the movie itself, but how about the star from Mighty Joe Young, Bill Paxton, who had passed away this last week due to complications after surgery. So we do mourn the loss of Bill Paxton for such great movies like Twister and so many others. But of course, Disney fans, we all know him from Mighty Joe Young. So I want to bow our head for a moment of silence for Bill Paxton. All right, all of you D-heads, with that said, I'm wrapping up news. Like I said, it's a kind of a light week here this week, but we have a lot of things coming as we have Paige, Cody, Jason, Aaron, Dominic, and Caitlin all stopping in with their signature segments here at the show. We have Willie Ames. Yes, Charles in Charge, 8 is Enough, Runaway on the Rogue River, Wonderful World of Disney. He is actually the person who kicked off and started the Disney Channel when it debuted all the way back in the 80s. 
and so much more. So before I release the reins here to the D-Team, I do want to mention that DizRadio.com is probably sponsored by Mickey's Travel. And Mickey's Travel is 100% free, no-fee agency. They're going to help you plan, book, and prepare and make the most magical vacation that you could possibly have. From dining reservations, character interactions, and so much more, they're going to take care of you, make it special, and make it memorable. So definitely check them out. Mickey'sTravel.com, the official sponsor of Diz Radio. So, all of you DMs, with that said, it is out of the way. I'm going to leave you with a little bit of fun. I guess the Oscar performance that I was just talking about for Moana. So, let's press on for show number 167 for the week of March 2nd, 2017. And really, all we can say is, you're welcome. I've, uh, I've been told that in these uh, um, very politically charged times, there's literally only one thing that can bring the entire planet together. Dwayne Johnson singing his song from the Oscar-nominated Moana live in front of a billion people. (laughs) So when the Oscars called me, I picked up that phone and I said, what can I say except you're welcome? (laughs) And the producers took a moment and they said, nah, we're good. (laughs) Don't want me to sing. Great. So luckily for you and the world, here to perform one of our other iconic songs, How Far I'll Go. From our movie Moana is the very talented actress who plays Moana, 16-year-old Auli'i Cravalho, with an original prologue performed by one of the creative forces behind our film's music and lyrics, my twin, Lin-Manuel Miranda. She sings a solo, shall I set the scene? Picture a young warrior, not even 17. She dreams of open seas. She's full of hope and sees a future where she sets a sail and rope against the open breeze. She doesn't know that she's a voyaging descendant. Impatient, independent, heart of nature, independent. The ocean's at her feet. She opens her eyes to find her mind is on her island, but her eyes on the horizon line. I've been staring at the edge of the water Long as I can remember Never really knowing why I wish I could be the perfect daughter But I come back to the water No matter how hard I try Every turn I take, every trail I track Every path I make, every road leads back I know where I cannot go, where I long to be. See the line where the sky needs to see, it calls me. And no one knows before it goes. With the wind in my sail on the sea, sees behind me. One day I'll know. If I go, there's just no telling how far I'll go. Everybody on this island seems so happy on this island. Everything is by design. I know everybody on this island has a role on this island. So maybe I can roll with mine. I can lead with pride, I can make a strong, I'll be satisfied if I play along. The voice inside is a different. 
Hey, this is Mark Mosley, but you may know me as Disney's voice of Mushu the Dragon, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. You have questions, we have answers. Let's dip our hands into the virtual mailbag and uncover the truth in I Want to Know. Hey, D-Heads, this is Aaron, and it's time again for another installment of I Want to Know. I'm back this week after playing hooky last episode. I was busy working on Pinewood Derby cars for my son's Cub Scout group. We had lots of fun and our hard work paid off with a second place finish, and we're on to district races in a couple weeks. Well, you guys have been busy sending in questions, and the virtual mailbag is full. So let's reach in and see what questions we have for this week. Our first question is from Thomas Flanker of Daytona Beach, Florida, and he writes, Aaron and the team, my thoughts are on the old Disneyland records they used to make with narrative versions of the movies. Did they ever make one for Gnomobile or the Computer War Tennis Shoes? Also, do they ever make ones for new movies? Thank you. Well, you're referring to the Disney read-alongs. The Disney read-alongs are a series of illustrated books for children with accompanying recordings of the books being read. The first read-alongs book and record sets were released in 1965 by Disneyland Records, which is now Walt Disney Records. Several hundred titles have been produced. The books are typically adaptations of popular Disney movies, cartoons, and other stories running 24 pages. Sometimes there will be adaptations of non-Disney stories, stories based on Disneyland theme park attractions, and original stories featuring Disney characters. A narrator, or in some titles, a character from the story in first person, read the story and dialogue and songs from the original source were included. The sound of Tinkerbell's chimes were the signal for the reader to turn the page. Though the computer war tennis shoes was not released, the Nomobile was released in 1967. And yes, they're still releasing current movies. This includes some recent ones like Zootopia, The Good Dinosaur, and Inside Out. Our next question is from Danielle from Ohio, and she writes, My question for you is about the Magic Kingdom and TV. There was an old TV show I think was called Magic in the Magic Kingdom. Who hosted it? And can I find it anywhere? I've been unlucky looking online, so I'm thinking maybe it wasn't called that. I was a child, so going off of memories. Thank you so much for any help, as I am a fan of Magic and Disney. Well, the special you're talking about is called The Magic in the Magic Kingdom, released in 1988. The show was hosted by George Burns. The special aired on NBC and featured magic tricks and illusions at Disneyland, including the disappearance of Sleeping Beauty Castle. It also starred Harry Anderson... John Ratzenberger, Gloria Stefan, Morgan Fairchild, and Siegfried and Roy. It is available to watch on YouTube. Well, our final question is from Lauren from Florida, and she writes, Aaron O'Diz Radio, my thoughts are on the classic Disney Channel. I know it used to be a paid channel and premium, but when did it officially go on the air? And what was the first day of programming highlights? Thank you for the help, and just love the podcast. 
Well, the Disney Channel launched nationally as a premium channel on April 18, 1983 at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. First program ever aired on the channel was its first original series, Good Morning Mickey, which showcased classic Disney animated shorts. At the time of its launch, the Disney Channel's programming aired for 16 hours each day from 7 a.m. to 11 p.m. Eastern and Pacific Time. For subscribers, the channel provided a monthly and later bi-monthly program guide magazine called the Disney Channel Magazine, which in addition to carrying listings for the channel's programming, had also carried featured stories on upcoming programs. This was a great magazine, and I miss it. Well, D-Heads, that concludes another installment of I Want to Know. Thanks for the great questions and keep them coming. Send all your questions or comments to Aaron, E-R-I-N, at DizRadio.com. Make sure to include your name and city so I can give you credit. And remember, D-Heads, laughter is timeless, imagination has no age, and dreams are forever. We'll see you next week, D-Heads. Have a good one. Mr. George Burns. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And welcome to Magic and the Magic Kingdom. Now, if you don't believe what you're seeing right now, it really is me standing here. Alive. Talking. Breathing. Smoking. I smoke between 15 and 20 cigars a day. Well, at my age, if I don't hold on to something, I might fall down. <laughs> We've got a very exciting show for you tonight. Lots of fantastic magic. Done by some of the world's greatest magicians. And without the use of a single camera trick. Once I did a magic act. Well, when I first started, I did all kinds of acts. I, I did a roller skating act. I was the front end of a horse, the back end of a horse. <laughs> a ventriloquist. I figured, look, I'll try a magic act. I got myself a straw hat, got myself a pigeon, booked a Follies Theater in Brooklyn, walked out on the stage with the pigeon in my hat, counted the three, took off my hat, the pigeon flew away, my toupee went with him. <laughs> that, um, that, was, that was the end of my magic act. I must tell you, before the hour is over, you're going to see one illusion that's really going to blow your mind. Something that's never been attempted before. You see Sleeping Beauty's castle behind me? Well, Siegfried and Roy are going to make it disappear before your very eyes. Don't ask me how. I'm still trying to figure out how they made a three-ton elephant into a 92-year-old sex symbol. <laughs> but that's their problem. Now I'm going to do a little magic. I'm going to make Marky Post appear. Abracadabra. Now she appears. So, you want to hear more about our Disney Resort hotels? Well, you came to the right place. You won't believe all the magical benefits you get. With more than 20 fun hotels, you get to pick your theme. You'll find the one that's perfect for your perfect Disney dream. We'll get you so excited that you'll never want to leave. The list of things to see and do is too much to believe. It's true. 
When you're staying at a Disney Resort hotel, the fun never ends. There are water sports, all kinds and sorts that fill the seven seas. Restaurants for bon vivants, such fine amenities. Since your resort hotel can be so near a Disney park, you could play all day with Mickey, Etsy, fireworks, and dark. You want to spend even more time in a Disney theme park? Well, listen to this. Stay right here with us and then you'll get some magic powers. Extra time inside the parks, we call it extra magic hours. These extra magic hours happen every single day. It's all complimentary and extra thank you for your stay. Hey, check this out. It's called a magic band. Another cool perk you get when you stay in a Disney Resort hotel. We'll give you each a magic band, wear it on your favorite hand. Having up the fun when you're on the run, your magic band will get it done. Just pick the color best for you, orange, yellow, green, and blue. You can open up your door, use it at a store. You think that's cool, just wait, there's more. That's right. You can even use your magic band at our Fast Pass Plus locations. What's Fast Pass Plus, you ask? Come on, I'll show you. of a Disney Resort hotel, you get first access to FastPass Plus service up to 60 full days before you check in. Flying into Orlando Airport? Then you get to experience Disney's Magical Express service. We can pick you up with our airport bus. Drop your bags and you at your doorstep. Plus, with the drive off your mind, leave your worries behind. Transportation, it's on us. Even after you get here, take a monorail or a boat or bus. There's no fee, no charge. There's no mess, no fuss. With the drive off your mind, leave your worries behind. Transportation, it's on us. So we're all set. We hope you'll be joining us soon at a beautiful Walt Disney World Resort Hotel. Zippity doo dah, come down and play. We've got magic every night, every day. Plenty of fun times heading your way. Yes, you're gonna love this. Nothing beats a Disney Resort Hotel. It's a wonderful stay. Hi there, it's Caitlin here with WDWN2, a quick rundown of what's happening in the parks. If you're feeling lucky, make sure to enter the Be Our Guest to Endless Magic sweepstakes for a chance to win a trip to Walt Disney World. Through March 31st, you can enter to win a five-night, four-day trip, including airfare, park admission, and accommodations. You can't beat that, so why not give it a go? Some of my favorite news is involving a certain princess with magical hair that glows when she sings. There's a brand new character dining experience called the Bon Voyage Breakfast, featuring Rapunzel and Flynn Rider, along with Ariel and Eric, at Trattorio El Forno on the boardwalk. The menu looks especially delicious, with entrees like Shipwreck El Forno, Tower of Pancakes, Golden Frittata, and the Royal Breakfast. 
And of course, there are special menu options for the kiddos. The Bon Voyage Breakfast debuts on April 2nd and costs $34 for adults and $20 for children. You can already start booking those reservations online or by calling 407-WDW-DINE. Starting this spring, everyone can meet their favorite little droid at Hollywood Studios, as BB-8 will begin making appearances at the Star Wars launch bay with Chewie and Kylo Ren. An official date hasn't been announced yet, but I know I can't wait to see the little guy. We'll keep you posted. The Disney PhotoPass Studio at Disney Springs has a brand new personalized storybook photo session available. If your child is 14 or younger, they can participate in a unique photo session to create a character-specific personalized story. Current story options are Anna, Ariel, Aurora, Cinderella, Elsa, Mulan, Rapunzel, and Snow White. And remember, this is only available at the PhotoPass Studio in Disney Springs. Thanks for listening, and until next time, don't forget, you can fly. <laughs> Did you ever see an elephant fly? <laughs> well, I see the horse fly. Ah, I see the dragon fly. <laughs> I see the house fly. <laughs> <laughs> see, I seen all that too. I seen a peanut stand and heard a rubber band. I seen a needle that winked its eye. But I'd be done seeing about everything when I see an elephant fly. What you say, boy? I said when I see an elephant fly, I seen the front porch swing, heard a diamond ring. I seen a polka dot railroad tie. But I'd be done seeing about everything when I see an elephant fly. <laughs> And they tell me that a man made a vegetable truck. I didn't see that. I only heard. Just to be sociable, I'll take your word. Oh. I heard a fireside chat. I saw a baseball man. I said, I just laughed and I thought I'd die. But I'll be done seeing about everything when I see an elephant fly. <laughs> Envelope to Davis and Kurt. Right down that. I'm saved by the bell when I see Zach Mala, but there's a new man in town who I'm dreaming of. Just take my heart and put Charles in charge with Zach, and now Charles I can't lose. I'm so glad I don't have to choose. Saved by the bell. And now, at 6.05 Eastern, Charles in Charge, weekdays on TBS. Who let the dogs out? 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 Hello, everyone. This is Dominic, and welcome to another edition of Disney's Short Leash. If you're new to this segment, a short leash isn't what they sell as formal wear to 12-year-olds at Hot Topic. 
No, the short leash is a series of tips for people to get the most out of their Walt Disney World vacation when they're short on time or short on money. With any luck, you might be able to try some of these suggestions and quite possibly do as much, if not more, than someone vacationing with a greater amount of time or a larger budget. In this week's tip, we talk about short leash priorities. When taking a short trip, I immediately think about triage and priorities. I discovered there are four popular options for a short trip and one that's absolutely insane. You have your special attraction trips, the greatest hits, the never tried, the it's for the kids stupid, and the all-out assault. The special events are kind of self-explanatory. Marathons, grand opening of an attraction, holiday spectaculars, food and wine, flower and garden, whatever that art thing they're doing is called. These events are either the reason or the excuse for why you're spending some time at Disney, and almost immediately you have a trip with a different focus in your typical day at the park. The other two types, the greatest hits or the never tried options, create more of a conundrum. You have a limited amount of time, so you know you don't have the freedom to relax and take it all in that those longer trips afford, so what are you going to do? As I say a lot in this segment, our family tries that other option I was talking about, that all-out assault, to avoid this conundrum by doing everything regardless of the limited time, through a combination of ridiculous endurance, long hours, and an unaccredited PhD in fast passery and attraction weight line trends. But we're a bit ridiculous, so maybe your vacation is going to be about doing those must-do greatest hits that you just can't miss and absolutely love, or maybe you're actually going to use that limited amount of time you have to explore the unknown. Are you going to play it safe, or are you going to try that restaurant you never heard of? Are you going to ride that attraction you can't miss, or are you going to go to one you always bypass? Are you going to see that street show or parade, or are you just going to walk right by it? After all, you've had your heart set on that Dole Whip for six months. My wife is a greatest hits person. She doesn't want to risk what little time she has on an attraction or a dining experience she might not enjoy as much as her beloved standards. I like this about her, the idea that she'd rather stay with the old standbys that she knows versus trying the unknown and potentially exciting is extremely calming and reassuring after being together for 20 years. Despite that fact, I am firing the new pool boy. Research seems to back her up. Apparently it costs many several times more for a company to get a new customer than to keep an old one. A professor tried to convince me that statistically I had a better chance of having a good meal at the restaurant I knew and liked than trying a new one. So with my wife, math, and research behind them, the greatest hits trip can't fail, right? Well, yes, actually, it really can't fail. You already know you like everything and you're probably going to enjoy it. However, I submit that you may not have ridden your favorite ride or attraction, seen your favorite show, or eaten your favorite meal, and you may not even know it yet. It might be a good idea to steer clear of those old faithfuls and try something new, like Ego from Ratatouille. Play one of those park quest games, stay at a different resort, dine someplace new, or at least try a different dish at your favorite old standby restaurant. Watch the live entertainment and join a dance party. You might just stumble upon your next new favorite. Buy some tickets to a show or make a special evening out of one of the resort's dining attractions. It's a quick trip, so you'll probably be back, so instead of doing those old faithfuls or that Plantoon-style full park assault, why don't you try centering your short lease trip around a few special new experiences? Our family trips typically are 10-day stays in the late summer, but this year we tried a three-day Christmas week trip against all knowledge and advice to the contrary. It's too short, it's too crowded, the value isn't there, we knew all that, but we did it anyway. We found that the parks looked completely different, and there was new entertainment everywhere we went. It just may be our favorite family getaway of all time, mostly because everything felt new and exciting, wrapped in the fun and familiar. Last on the list for trip priorities is, it's for the kids, stupid. Walt Disney World has four gates, and I remember when my kids looked upon the Magic Kingdom as their childhood fantasies come to life. 
When they got a little older, they loved Animal Kingdom for its mix of thrills and its immersive zoo and cute and cuddly animal things. As teens, it was all about the Hollywood studios with star tours, rock and roller coasters, towers of terror, and Epcot. Well, they were never as crazy about Epcot like I was in 1982. For me, it was the place where I truly believed I was seeing the future. Now I see the inside of my eyelids on Ellen's energy adventure. The point is to know your audience, especially on a short lease trip. Don't drag your infants around the scary thrill rides, and don't try to sprinkle princess fairy dust on your jaded emo middle schooler. Just know that your favorite stuff might not be theirs. I mean, to a point. You're the one paying, so they just better deal with it. But seriously, my daughter loved Captain EO, and my son made us do three chili-scented trips on Stitch's Great Escape when he heard that thing's days were numbered. And not for nothing, if you want to wreck it, Ralph Ride, sugar rush the heck out of the Tomorrowland Speedway. Why is that thing even in Tomorrowland? It's about as futuristic as a rotary phone. Get the overlay crew out, put some candy stuff around, absorb it into Fantasyland, and boom, problem solved, and my son can keep on riding that Stitch thing. Every age has a different trigger for magic, and Walt Disney World certainly has something for everyone. So if it's a tour of your greatest hits, an exploration of the new, a seasonal event, or a Plantoon-style full-out assault, triage, focus, and conquer. Creating trip priorities when time is short? Well, that's short leash, people. Hope you enjoyed the tip. I have an official Diz Radio email, so I'd love to hear from you with a hi, some questions, suggestions, or even your own short leash tip at dominic at dizradio.com. That's dominic, D-O-M-E-N-I-C, at dizradio.com. That's it for this week. Thanks for listening. Bob Dylan came on our show, and uh, he's awesome. We love Bob Dylan. He came and I said, Bob, how you doing, man? He said, cut the crap. <laughs> Well, would you like to play a song or something like that? He goes, shh, hush. So you're going to play like a Rolling Stone, blowing in the wind, positively forestry, any of that? He goes, shut your face. I don't want to do any of my songs. So I just want to do my, if I can, I want to do my favorite TV show theme. The weirdest thing. And so, uh, well, here it is, it went something like this. Bob Dylan plays the harmonica, it's different than, than Neil Young. He just gets the highest part of the harmonica and just blows the shit out of it. <laughs> New boy in the neighborhood Lives downstairs and it's understood He's just there to take good care of me Like he's one of Charles in charge of a days and a night Charles in charge of a rooms and a ray Charles in charge of a days and a night Charles in charge of a rooms and a ray I want Charles in charge of me I want Charles in charge of me
Hi, this is Richard Karn, and you're listening to Disney On Demand. Let's start those projectors and look at this week's Hollywood Walk. Hey all you D-heads, Cody here, getting ready to bring you this week's Hollywood Walk, where we have none other than Willie Ames with us today. He'll be joining Jonathan in just a few minutes, so why don't we get to know Willie just a little bit better before he joins up with Jonathan. As most of you would probably recognize him from, depending on your age, would be from the 1970s television series 8 is Enough. If you're a little bit younger, then maybe you'd recognize him from Charles in Charge. That's where I recognize him from. Willie was born July 15th, 1960 in Newport Beach, California. And aside from being an, an actor, he's also been a television director, producer, and a screenwriter as well. But he got his big break in the 1960s when he appeared in shows such as Gunsmoke and The Wonderful World of Disney. Probably the most sought out episode that he's been and for the wonderful world of Disney would have to be from season 21, episode 9, Runaway on the Rogue River, where he plays Jeff Peterson. And the plot is that Jeff and his father go on a fishing trip and they decide that whoever catches the biggest fish won't have to clean the dishes at the end of the day. So as John drops off Jeff by the lake, there's a truck containing trained circus elephants and it suffers a flat tire and the driver needs to change it. He unloads the elephants so that he can work on the tire and one of them, named Barney, wanders off into the woods. Meanwhile, Jeff is casting his line, and out of nowhere, he catches an elephant. And when John's boat suffers a severe hit from the log, Jeff and Barney must save him. The original air date for that episode was December 1st, 1974, so we are going back a ways. Throughout the 70s after that, he appeared on television series including The Waltons, and in 1974 as well, he portrayed a 12-year-old Benjamin Franklin in the miniseries of Benjamin Franklin. And the next year, he co-starred in the series Swiss Family Robinson. And then in 1977, he landed the role of Tommy Bradford in the comedy drama Eight is Enough, during which time he played in a band called Willie Ames and Paradise in which he was the lead singer and guitarist. It was formed while Ames was in junior high school and the group eventually landed a recording contract with CBS Custom Label. Also during his time on Eight is Enough, he appeared in his first movie role in Scavenger Hunt. After the series of Eight is Enough ended in 1981, he appeared in more film roles such as Zapped, opposite of Scott Bayo, and Paradise with Phoebe Cates. Just before getting the role of Buddy Lembeck in Charles in Charge, he played the character of Robbie Hamlin on the ABC soap opera The Edge of Night from 1983 to 1985. And he was the voice of Hank on the cartoon Dungeons and Dragons. Now, as mentioned, I remember him mostly from Charles in Charge. When I was growing up, I watched a lot of the reruns. It was a you know big thing when I, because I was born 1984, so I didn't get to see him when they first came out. But I had a few television series that I would watch pretty religiously, if you will, growing up. Uh, my biggest one was The Wonder Years. I watched that, uh, you know, nonstop, uh, every single day. Uh, Charles in Charge was another one. Family Matters I watched a lot, and that, those were probably my top three. Um, so I remember watching Willie growing up as well, so I'm extremely excited to have him on with us 
today. It's going to be really interesting to see what he has to say with us. From 1995 to 2003, he began playing the role of Miles Peterson, the Bible Man, in the direct-to-video Christian superhero series. And just as recently as last year. Now, Hallmark movies are huge, especially around the holidays, the Christmas time and all that. Now, if you remember watching a movie, Every Christmas Has a Story, he was Vernon Hollis on that movie. So, he's been starting since the 1960s, and he's still going strong after all this time. So it's exciting to see him still in the business and still rocking it on the screen there. Other notable mentions that he has been on, he was part of Little House on the Prairie for an episode. I also grew up watching that. That was more of an after school, you know, when grandma would pick us up. That's a good, wholesome family show that we had to watch. Wait Till Your Father Gets Home, where he played Jamie Boyle. He was on 38 episodes on that. That was from 72 to 1974. In 1975, he was also in Will Get By, where he appeared in 12 episodes as well as Kenny Platt, and also made an appearance on The Love Boat in 1982. That was another huge, huge television series that uh, still gets brought up to this day, such as uh, The Swiss Ma Family Rock. Robinson gets brought up a lot. You'll hear that in conversations. So quite a resume on him. And as mentioned before, it's great to see that as early as last year, you know, he's still going at it. So it'll be really exciting to see what the future has in store for Willie. And I guess I will release the reins here and I will pass them on to Jonathan so we can find out just that. Well, folks, don't forget, you can always email me at Cody at DizRadio.com. Get ready because Willie Ames is coming up with Jonathan right after this. Have a great one, D-Heads. me nine years ago. I've really changed a lot since then, and so is Marineland. They have exciting new shows, including the spectacular high divers. Borky is the world's biggest entertainer. Marineland now has one of the largest and most fascinating exhibits of sea creatures. And Marineland has created the Baja Reef, where you swim with exotic fish past coral and plants. If you haven't been to Marineland lately, come down and share it with us. Marineland's the one. Share the ocean.
There's a plate of homemade wishes on the kitchen windowsill, and it is enough to fill our lives with love. Lights, camera, action! It's time for this week's Disney On Demand special guest. All right, all of you Disney fans, you tuned in for another magical installment of Disney Blues Disney On Demand. And as we continue to bring you all the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney, many times those are ones that are right there in your home, on the small box, the television in your home that have played such a role in many of your lives, ones that you've passed down to generations, ones you've passed on to your children. And with us here this week is somebody that's no stranger to any of that. You know him from a variety of different things, you know, film, television, director, producer, screenwriter, as well as being on 8 is Enough, Charles in Charge, Bible Man, The Wonderful World of Disney, and so much more. We have the talented Willie Ames here. Welcome to Disney On Demand. Hey, thanks. Thanks. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I, I have to say, anytime anyone asks me anything Disney, I get very excited because, uh, I, you know, I, I not only grew up enjoying all of the Disney shows and attractions and everything else, but I, I had the pleasure of growing up actually working at the studios. And, and so I, I get very, very excited about that. In fact, I have to say, I, I watched Saving Mr. Banks not too long ago, and, and I spent most of the movie with tears in my eyes because all of those things that you see in that movie, they, they still exist. Those were Those were there when I was a kid. And so I got to relive a lot of my childhood by watching that movie. Well, you know, and it goes to show you that Disney has played such a huge role in everyone's lives. Now, before we get into that, you know, you started off child actor, so many different things. Of course, eight is enough. Charles in charge. I guess what led you down that road of originally wanting to become an actor? You know, I never wanted to be an actor. Um, oddly enough, because quite frankly, because a lot of the things that I that I saw on the Disney, you know, on the wonderful world of Disney and and that sort of adventure, and I was, you know, watching, I actually did the Swiss Family Robinson, which was a network version of the Disney movie with Helen Hunt and Martin Milner, and and all of those things always led me to uh, wanting to be, uh, to, to chase adventure. I wanted to live the adventures that I saw on the Disney Channel, and, and so I actually started writing uh, killer whales and dolphins, and I worked on dive boats, and I, and I wanted to be a marine biologist. And so my my love of acting really, really didn't come through until later. It was something that was an adventure. And on top of that, I was doing other things. I was, you know, I was racing boats, and I was, you know, I started diving when I was about 12. So for me, doing doing the, that part of acting was really about searching for another form of adventure, and uh, and it, I never set out. You know, I, I never went to, to acting school. I never, I was never in the you know a lot of plays in high school or anything like that. I, I was just really searching for unique experiences, and, and it ended up you know I, I ended up being extremely fortunate, and it played out. Um, uh, there, there might have been some influence with a grandfather of mine who was uh, the dean of the English department and and, uh, and the head of Russian literature at Whittier College, and, and he also taught some drama, but we never really discussed that. I mean, for me, it was about being outdoors and it was being adventurous and camping in the, in the desert and, and going out to sea and doing all of these different things. 
And that fit right in with what I watched every week on the wonderful world of Disney. You know, they were, these were kids having adventures, whether it was Swiss Family Robinson or, you know, some sort of more lifelike show. I, I remember when I did uh, a Disney Sunday movie called uh, The Bull from the Bull from the Sky, and then I did another one called The Runaway on the Road River, where I was riding elephants for, for three months in, in Oregon. Or another one called Hog Wild that uh, Jodie Foster and I did uh, where we were, you know, chasing pigs and doing those. That was what attracted me to it was it was that adventure of doing something unusual. Well, you know, and like you said, it's one of those. It is the adventure because it's always changing being actor. You get to go in there, relive these things, like you said, riding elephants and having all these fond memories and whatnot. Now, I guess going back in time for, you know, some of our older listeners out there and being part of the shows like Eight is Enough. What was it like being part of this show that, you know, still today people love watching it. They pass it down. And uh, did you expect it to be such a big hit as it was at the time? You know, I, I really didn't. Eight is Enough was my seventh series. So I had already been around for a long time. And and so when I when I, I was pretty familiar with the process, you know, you go in, you do your show, you do your work. And you hope that it's going to do well. And and I have to be honest, I never really understood the success of Eight is Enough because I grew up in Southern California. And as I just said, I spent most of my life outdoors. I was surfing and diving and, and you know, camping in the woods and all of these different things. And And in Southern California, where you have good weather all of the time, Families tend to not spend as much time together. So Eight is Enough became this huge hit in, in the East Coast and, and in, the, in the center of the country in the Midwest where they have real winters and families are sort of forced together for a good portion of the year. And I never understood that. I mean, Christmas morning I would wake up and go surfing because the presents would be there, but the surf may not. And so, so that's that's kind of how I grew up, you know, very independent in doing those things. And I really didn't understand the significance of the show until much later when I realized that so many people um, had families that were just like that. And so many people related to each character in such specific ways. And, and people were naming their children after Nicholas and and in fact, I was just at a at an at an autograph show, and and you know, and, and it happens all of the time where you know a, a girl came up and said, "I chose my profession based on your character in Eight Is Enough," and because the character of Tommy was always trying to create some sort of a business deal, uh, she said she became a business manager, and she's now the manager for some some very high profile people that I, that I won't mention, but. It was interesting as, you know, how your life on television could affect other people's lives. And, and as I'm saying this, I'm thinking, wow, the, the things that I saw on the Disney Channel affected my life because I chased some of those real-life adventures that Disney always showed us. Well, like you said, too, it's one of those where it does shape it and people could relate. And that's going to bring us back to, you know, being part of Disney because, you know, being in people's homes and things like that, you were actually part of... Disney and Disney Channel coming into your homes like and really having that influence. Uh, what was that like being part of there for that that original release of the Disney Channel? That was that was I first I have to say I I think I was 
fairly surprised as, as I remember when, when we actually flipped the switch and, and, and the Disney Channel went live. Uh, Helen Reddy was there and, and I was there and I remember being incredibly flattered that I was asked to be present because in the Disney family of, of entertainment, you know, we had, we had Disney studios and some of my earliest memories before I was even an actor was going on a field trip to Disney Studios. Oh my gosh, I saw the the real Herbie love bug, you know, and I and I and I was walking you know, I I couldn't have been more than seven or eight and and, you know, thinking, oh my gosh, this is a this is amazing. And then we had Disneyland, which of course Epcot and Disney World didn't exist or any of the other Disney parks in those days. And so Disneyland was a magical thing. And then we had the wonderful world of Disney, and we were seeing all of those. And so to actually be a part of that legacy and that history, I do remember that night very, very clearly, just thinking, wow, I can't believe I have the honor to be a part of flipping this switch. And what is the Disney Channel, and where will it go? And in those days, cable was new. You know, we we still had we had ABC, NBC, CBS, and I'm not even sure that Fox was a legitimate network. It was a kind of a group of, a, of affiliate stations, and and so to launch this new channel, and MTV was brand new, and you know there was this new world called cable, and and nobody knew where it was going to go. But I just remember being you know there as we flipped the switch, and we were out in front of the satellite dishes, and and thinking, wow, this is a whole new genre of television, and and who would have thought it would it would go where it is today? I mean, Disney today is is you know it's one of the mainstays of family television as it always has been, just in a new form. Well, definitely, like you said, it it has all these years later too that Disney Channel continued to thrive, continue to be here, and it always continues to change for the times. And but at the same time still being great family entertainment. I mean, I'm able to sit down and watch it with my children as well. Now, you did mention as well that, you know, of course, cable was new, things like that. And early in those days, you know, back in 1971 with Walt Disney World and things like that, do you prefer Disneyland or Disney World? You know, I I, I think as impressive as Disney World is, for those of us that only knew Disneyland, um, Disneyland, it, it just, it just, for me, it just will never, nothing will ever be the same as Disneyland. There's a, there's a, a, I don't know, there's an authenticity there, not that the others aren't authentic, but there's just such a connection, and it's not as big. I mean, as a kid, it's massive. But when you go back as an adult, you realize that, that you know, it, as a park, it's probably, you know, n- not the biggest park around. And, and so many things happened at Disneyland growing up because, you know, we in high school, that's where you went. You know, you had the seniors day at Disneyland. And, of course, you know, everybody was, you know, had their crushes on whoever, you know, in, in high school and junior high school. And, you know, when you, when you, you know, you, you were hoping that you could hold that girl's hand while you rode the Matterhorn you know? <laughs> and all of these wonderful things. And you, you went and, 
And I remember climbing the Swiss Family Treehouse there and, and thinking, you know, I, I actually did Swiss Family Robinson, you know, and and so many friends. I You know, I, I it's funny, my son, uh, who was on just, I, was it just you and me, kid? Um, one of the early, early Disney shows about parents and their and their babies. My son was was you know maybe a year old when they came back to my house and did this this little expose on how I spent the day with with my kids. And uh, he called me last night and he he said he was at this big function and Billy Idol happened to be standing next to him and he said did you ever know Billy Idol and I said well of course I did he and I did a gig together at Disneyland because I was playing with my band in those days and on the main stage at the Matterhorn Theater and and uh, or Space Mountain Theater and and uh, and also at the you know at the terrace at the at the rocket terrace and and you know I still have a friend uh, KC from KC and the Sunshine Band he would play there and Whenever he would play at Disneyland, he would come by my house, and I'd go see Casey play there. And and I, I was with uh, the Carpenters uh, doing my my first record at A and M Studios, and Karen Carpenter was there. It was their last record actually before Karen passed away. And and we we had great memories and and talking about you know our days doing gigs at, at Disneyland. And and so I don't. I don't think there will, for me personally, there will ever be a connection to any of the other parks, as wonderful as they are, that, uh, that there is, you know, with the original, the original park. Well, you know, and that goes all the way back to, like you said, watching Saving Mr. Banks, and you know, you realize and see all these things, and you know, have fond memories of it as well. Now, of course, being part of so many different things with Disney, of course, with the wonderful world of Disney and all the different things you're part of. Was there one, I guess, one of those uh, films or episodes or anything that was your favorite one to film where you look back and you're like, when I write my journals, when they make a movie about me, I want that one to be in there because, you know, it was just fun or hijinks offset or just the storyline or being on camera. You know, do you have one that really stands out? Yeah, for for sure. It has to be Runaway on the Rogue River. Um I did that movie up in Oregon with uh, the director was Larry Landsberg, and he was actually, I think, one of the few directors at the time that Disney would use that was not uh, in California. And Larry had been nominated for an Academy Award for something. But I went up, and I was working with an actor named Slim Pickens that uh, is a wonderful old character actor. And, And I spent, you know, three months up in Oregon riding elephants. And uh, the story was about a circus elephant that that gets away from from the, the truck that's carrying the elephants, and and me as a boy, I'm up there fishing, and I somehow come across this this elephant, and and we have adventures together, and I you know s- swam in the rivers and the lakes with the elephants, and I you know and I had one big elephant of the six that we were working with. Her name was Gigi. And Gigi was massive, and of course I was just, you know, 12 years old or so, and, and she fell in love with me, and I fell in love with her. And I used to grab her, reach way up and grab her by the ear, and I would run her out into the forest to try and make her play with all of her, her friends. And I'd run as fast as I could back to where we were shooting, and she'd be right behind me. Gigi never left my side, and she was just this massive, massive <laughs> elephant and she and I, for whatever reason, and, and the trainers, Bucky Steele was the, was the trainer, 
Bucky said, I've never, ever seen her attach herself to a, to a person like she has you. And we spent three months, you know, just traveling together and up in Oregon and having adventures together. And then I had one other scene where I had to, uh, I find out that my father is in trouble and, and by a walkie-talkie and we go racing to, to, to help save him. And we had a scene where we were running across this open field. Now, I was riding the elephant, so I'm right behind her head, you know, and on her shoulders, like you would, you know, see anyone riding an elephant. And, um, you know, of course, there's no saddle or, or, or anything like that or no basket. And as we went running across the field, the, there had been rain a few days before, and Gigi tripped and threw me off the top of her. I, I think I, I think I went at 20 feet, 30 feet maybe. I mean, we were running, and, and when an elephant runs, they run fast. And it, you know, and she tripped and and hit the hit the meadow, and and I went flying over. And I remember, you know, I I got up, and she came over to me, and I got right back up, and we kept right on going, and it made the film. And I remember everyone saying, you know, God, my gosh, you know, I can't believe you got up and kept going. But to me, that was the, that was just the pure joy of doing Disney was that you had these incredible opportunities. I mean, you know, I worked with lions and, and elephants and ostriches and bears and, and I, you know, cockatoos. And, and as a result, I actually had my own two macaws, the, you know, the beautiful, huge parrots and and at home you know when we were doing those shows if i had an animal trainer like they, they would they, suddenly they would say you know we have a little lion cub would you like to take care of it for the weekend and <laughs> i'm the only kid in the school coming in with a lion cub you know i mean these are the kinds of things that uh, i i will just never forget and that that particular show runaway on the rogue river was a wonderful one and we had great fun. We we played great uh, jokes on one another. Uh, Slim Pickens, uh, who was that character actor, and you know he's known for so so many different movies, used to always make a joke and say, you know, because you know the elephants create quite quite a lot of 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 poop. <laughs> There's no other way to put it. Droppings. And Slim used to always laugh and say he had some friends at home that he wanted to send some of those droppings to as Christmas gifts because they had upset him. And so the very last night of shooting on Runaway of the Rogue River, because Slim had a, a, a Winnebago that he loved and he traveled in everywhere, a big motor home. And on the back of it was a giant ice ice chest that he kept up on top, strapped to the top of it. So he was throwing a, a, a farewell party in his motorhome that night, and I went out with the with the elephant trainer and scooped up about 40 pounds of elephant droppings and climbed up onto the back of his motorhome and dumped them in his ice chest. <laughs> and he didn't open it for about six months. <laughs> The next time I saw Slim, he was on the set of the Poseidon Adventure. We were at Warner Brothers, and he saw me from across the lot, started screaming at me, you little pill. He, apparently, it ruined his ice chest. But uh, just some really wonderful, fun stuff that we did in those days. 
Well, you know, and those are the kind of things that will live on forever, like you said, and put that fond memory of Disney in there. Now, of course, you know, you've done so many different things. And, of course, one of them that, you know, we can't overlook because we know that there's fans out there, of course, being Buddy on Charles in Charge, um, you know, that was that time in the 80s where either a sitcom would sink or swim. And, you know, that was one that really, uh, I guess, took off and people really liked it. And I think mainly because it was relatable. It was fun. It was quirky. What was it like being part of this show that gained such a following? And even to this day, people are humming that theme song. You know, I, I'm 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 often shocked about the 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 theme song, you know, because it, it was it was a fun song. But, it you know, it's not it wouldn't have been my choice. And again, it's that the power of television. I can't tell you how many rock bands have done their version of Charles in Charge. And I remember I was on tour uh, when I was doing all of the Bible Man stuff. I, I was on tour and this rock band came up to me and said, hey, we just got signed to, to you know, one of the, I can't remember which label it was. But would you mind, and we're doing a cover of the Charles in Charge theme, would, would you mind introducing the song? And, and and I did, and you know, and actually they became a, a pretty well-known band. But I was I was shocked at just how much people loved that particular song. The show I understood because the show was was charming, and I, and I have to say that's one of my favorite shows. Um, that's one of my favorite shows that that I've done because we had such a great time when we did that. But um, it is surprising. Well, you know, and like you said, it's one of those that's the power of television because nowadays, you know, TV shows don't have theme songs. Of course, unless you're watching the Disney Channel because they still tend to put theme songs in front because it makes smart television and for people to remember it. Now, I guess being on, you know, with this and like you said, you know, people love that theme song. They love the show, things like that. Now, when you're out and about, uh, which one do you get more noticed for? Eight is Enough, Charles in Charge, or something completely different? You know, it, it, it's, it, it is kind of a mixture of everything. And, it, and it's one of the things that, you know, maybe as I get older, I get more and more nostalgic. But I, I, re, I remember that um, I, I could determine what people liked or what they remembered me for by their generation. And that's the thing, you know, I've been at this 47 years now and, and I, and I'm, I think I'm humbled by the fact that I've been able to survive in it this long. I know people that remember me as, as Tony Randall's son on the odd couple, or they remember, you know, and of course now with so many channels, these things are, you know, they're being reminded of them, but, I had somebody that said, hey, I remember you on Gunsmoke. You know, I remember you on Disney. I remember you on on The Odd Couple. Eight is enough. You know, Charles in Charge. And as the years go by, um, it really depends. I mean, it, I, I get shocked that people even recognize me. You know, I, and, and apparently sometimes it's my voice. People will say, I, I remember your voice. Some people remember Dungeons and Dragons. When I, you know, the the cartoons that we did, the, you know, I, I just never know which one it is that they're going to pick up. I had a, a somebody that that uh, that contacted me and said, you know, do you remember your days on Family, or do you remember your days on Little House on the Prairie, or, and it just, 
I was so fortunate to be part of a golden era of television where we did so many notable shows and shows that really resonated with people that that I, I was just very, very, very fortunate. I have a a new show that I'm doing called Date My Dad with Barry Watson from Seventh Heaven and Raquel Welch, who I met years ago at Bob Hope's house from doing Bob Hope uh Bob Hope movies and and um and specials. And I I was going through uh, a lot of the NBC shows and the things that we used to do, and I just remember, my gosh, there were just so many wonderful opportunities to work with great people. So it would be hard for me to say, you know, people remember me from just this one or that one. And clearly, Eight is Enough and Charles in Charge were two huge shows. But with cable and, and, you know, and the Disney Channel and all of the other channels that offer people a chance to enjoy the shows of the past, I, it would be hard for me to pin it down. Well, you know, and like you said, it is that golden age because I feel like that was a time before there were so many channels and, you know, people could set things to record. So, you know, you watched your favorite shows. You sat down together. You'd set the VCR and record them. And like you said, you have a new show coming out now. You know, you kind of hinted at it. Uh, is there any more about that that you can tell us about it? And when is it actually airing? Well, it'll start airing in June. We begin shooting uh, in, in just the, you know, June of 17. And we, we start shooting in just a few weeks. And it... it I, you know, I read the script and, and, uh, and I looked at it and it was interesting to me because, you know, Seventh Heaven was sort of the more modern version of Eight is Enough. And uh, Eight is Enough was the more modern version of the Brady Bunch. And, uh, you know, you sort of continue to progress and, and to be able to work with somebody from one of their shows was great and to reconnect, you know, uh, with, with Raquel Welch. Um, you know, albeit, you know, it was very peripheral when we met, but, uh, it's a show about a widower, a dad, with three daughters. And these three daughters feel it's time for their dad to move on and, and, and find someone new. And Raquel Welch plays his mother-in-law, uh, ex, only because his wife passed away. But his wife does come back in the form of, of a ghost to help him through the transition of getting over her and finding someone new and moving on and choosing, helping him to choose the right person. So between his three daughters and his wife, um, they're going to find him a, a, a new, a new, uh, a new love, you know, and, and, and it's really sweet because he doesn't want to move on. He, he, he's, you know, wants to, he wants to just stay in love with, with his, his first one and true love. And, and so it's, it's a comedy. It's a dramedy, you know, it's, it's, you know, both serious and funny. Um, and there's some wonderful storylines about, you know, the children and what they go through at school. And, and, and actually, I, I have to say, it, it sounded very Disney to me when I first, when I first read the script. And, uh, and I'm fortunate enough to play the principal at the school and, uh, and, and help some of the kids through their, their things. So, uh, I, I'm really, really happy, and it's and it and to me, it's a, it's a show that that I I really look forward to being a part of and being on because it is one of those kinds of shows that I think uh, families will look at and and enjoy, and uh, and we're on Up TV, 
uh, UPTV well, is, is, is the network. Well, definitely. And like you said, it does seem very Disney-ish, of course. And being on Up on the Up network, you know, you know it's going to be, you know, uplifting, as they put it. And, you know, something a little more positive and fun. And, you know, we'll be looking forward to that, uh, you know, when that kicks off in June as well. Now, I guess in closing here, because we know you're busy, you got a lot of things going on. For all of your fans out there, fans of Willie, everything you've done, um, I guess, is there anything you'd like to leave out there for anybody that you've touched their life, whether that was television, movies, or even like myself, where I'm, you know, watching shows like Charles in Charge with my children or the wonderful world of Disney, and we're putting those in and watching those. Is there anything you'd like to leave out there for all of your fans from uh, all these years in your career? Just that I'm very grateful. Um, you know, I, this business has a lot of ups and downs, and I have some very well chronicled ups and downs. And, and, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I'm so incredibly happy and and back doing the things that I, I really love to do. And as I get older and I look back, I just find myself being so grateful for all of the opportunities that I was ever handed. And and that's really the bottom line is that uh, I, I've, I've just been very, very fortunate and I'm grateful to be back doing what it is that I do. And I thank them. I, you know, for all of the people that enjoyed all of those shows, thank you very, very much for continuing to watch and for watching and, and for supporting us and, and for giving us our foibles when we, when we air those and, and allowing us to move on and grow together, you know, and, and I think that's the thing that I love so much when I meet people on the street is that they, they see me and they, they see me with my wife and they say, man, you look so happy. It's good to see, and we all kind of grew up together, you know, and and, uh, and and I and I'm appreciative of that, and so thank you. That's the main thing that I want them to know is I'm just grateful, and and I hope they accept my thanks. Well, you know, I'm sure that you've touched so many people's lives, like you said, and you are thankful, and of course, everyone else, you know, giving those fond memories to them. So thank you, Willie, once again for stopping in, chatting with us, taking this trip back, and of course, a trip forward with uh, your show coming to Up Network as well this summer. So thanks once again for stopping in, chatting with us, and of course, thanks for all the memories. My pleasure, anytime. Hey, Charles, check this out. This is fat. New boy in the neighborhood lives downstairs and it's understood he's there just to take good care of me like he's one of the family
In the classic tradition of Disney entertainment comes this year's holiday movie event. They were orphaned from childhood. Promise me to protect him. I promise. Best friends for life. He's playing with you. Hide and seek. You found me! Good thing Joe didn't want to play doctor. You think he's okay back there? He's doing fine. Now, after 20 years... Look at him. He won't eat. If he stays in here, he'll die. Their greatest adventure is about to begin. Oh, my God. All right, Jose. That was so cool. Joe needs me. Once you meet him, you'll never forget... Disney's Mighty Joe Young. Can you get him to put me down? Joe, drop him. Oh, my siestas are getting shorter and shorter. Required voice identification. EC82. Hey gang, it's me again, Jason. Welcome back down here to the vault, where every day is a twist above nature. I'm very glad you were able to join us again this week as I bring out yet another fine feature film from the Disney archives. Unfortunately, I'm a bit saddened if you can't tell already, because we lost a great friend and Disney mentor this past weekend. Bill Paxton was our father. May he rest his peace with the Thunderbirds above him. He took us deep below in Titanic. And of course, as always, flying high in space in Aliens. But of course, most of us D-heads know him best in today's film in which I will be bringing you today. I'm bringing out 1998's high-flying adventure in the deep African jungle known as Mighty Joe Young. The heart of Africa can beat in many different forms. Be it the strong deserts of the north, or the lush jungles of its center, or the beautiful coasts that sprinkle the south. But the heart is where our story takes us, where we meet Jill Young, an American researcher base camped in the jungle where she was left to raise a small gorilla, who now has grown and become much greater than that, a 15-foot tall gorilla nonetheless, whom she names Joe. As he grows and she grows, they spend their days living in the mountains in the remote areas where he is claimed to be an unseen legend among the people who live there. As time goes on, Greg O'Hara, an eco-minded emissary from a California sanctuary, comes and invades the peace. He's there only to help those in need, that being Jill and Joe. He confidently convinces her and Joe to come to their L.A. facility where Joe will have a safe haven and no one will hurt them. Those are the very famous last words of any great adventure. As the three safely prepare to go to L.A., and it's already difficult for us humans to get to L.A., their tranquil transition is soon disrupted when a group of poachers attempt to get their greedy hands on Joe. It is now up to Jill and Greg to save their friend, their environment, and the peace that they keep amongst all of them. Now, I don't want you to get confused with the original Mighty Joe Young, which came out in 1949. Almost 50 years later, we are greeted with this pristine, not remake, but more of a reboot, telling of the story. 
the original created by RKO Pictures, RK who? Under the direction of the original team of King Kong. So don't get yourself confused with King Kong, Donkey Kong, or Mighty Joe Young. All three very different animals. On the bright side, the original Mighty Joe Young did win an Oscar for Best Visual Effects. Jump to 1998, again nearly 50 years after the original, we have the great Bill Paxton creation. It was later released in 1999 in March on DVD, and that's where it has stayed, in pristine condition, on my shelf, and in many others' hearts and homes. When you pop this DVD in, what will you receive? Well, you will be getting a ton of, well, okay, not a ton, but at the time were at least considered extras on a DVD. Yes, an extra was considered being in 5.1 stereo. Now, that's just standard. A production featurette explaining all of the wonderful locations that they had taken to film Mighty Joe Young, being Oahu and Tanzania, just to name a few. The original trailer that was shown prior to the release of the film, as well as being released in chapters. Yes, chapters were a unique thing back in the early 90s. So there you have it, Mighty Joe Young. A fitting tribute to a mighty, mighty Disney legend that has left us all too soon. I'm sorry to leave you a little sad and stressed with a DVD as beautiful as this. However, I wanted to make sure that Mr. Paxton had a fitting tribute here on Disney On Demand, especially here in the vault. So until next week, I will find another DVD or Blu-ray to place in your player so that you and your family can enjoy another fine Disney movie night. So until next week, gang, remember, the magic of Disney movies is always 15 feet high and always deep inside of you. Run to me, Stargazing. Hey, look, there's Venus. Oh, oh, Air Ryan's belt. And a meteor shower. Did somebody say shower? <laughs> Ronald, what's that? It's a little dipper. Ronald and me. How cool would that be? Everyone needs a little help getting dressed now and then. And now every McDonald's Happy Meal has one dress-up character from Disney's The Tigger Movie on video and DVD. You missed a button. Thanks. Hey there, D-Heads. Paige here with an all-new Magical Music Review. This week, I've dusted off a soundtrack that I've been waiting for an opportunity to share with you all. We all have movies from our childhood that we remember going to see in theaters. This one in particular is a film I can still remember going to see with my parents and my little sister in 2000. Originally slated to be a direct-to-video release, the film's score became the deciding factor to bump its theatrical release, after good reception in demonstration form by then-CEO Michael Eisner. Thanks to that decision, filmgoers traveled back to the Hundred Acre Woods on the big screen with the Tigger movie. The score was composed by Harry Gregson-Williams, who would also go on to compose the scores for the Chronicles of Narnia films, and the songs were written by Richard M. and Robert B. Sherman. This marked the Sherman Brothers' return to Disney for the first time in 28 years since the release of the 1971 Bedknobs and Broomsticks. I have our selections queued up and ready to go, so let's waste no more time. Follow Tigger, Roo, Pooh, and all of their friends to the Hundred Acre Woods as we take a look at Walt Disney Pictures' 2000 film, The Tigger Movie. The first original song from the film is a ballad for our leading man. Everyone knows Tigger's catchphrase has always been that he's the only one. Normally, this is something he's happy to say. It makes him unique. But at the start of our film, after a conflict with Rabbit and everyone, Tigger feels really alone. 
Someone Like Me is a ballad sung by Jim Cummings, stepping into the role of Tigger full-time from Fall Windchill. With a very simple instrumentation with guitar and piano primarily, and a solo clarinet coming in briefly during a moment of cheer as Tigger sings about what he looks for in his equal, Tigger is backed by other animals as he wanders through the woods. It's a very different mood for Tigger to be in, and the song sets up Tigger's desire to find his family. I'm happy and I'm bouncy because I am the onlyest one. But now all at once I feel so lonely for someone like me. Right now I'm sort of feeling dancey. I'm just about the loneliest one. And deep in my heart, I'm sort of wishing for someone like me. Someone like me. Somebody with springs and sings, who laughs and sings and jumps every day. Somebody who's fun, 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 who loves to trounce and pounce and bounce the gloomies away. <laughs> How I dreamed there is another, a double or a triple of me. But since I'm awake, I feel so lonely because I know it can't be. As Tigger tells Rue all about his family, he mentions a traditional bounce only known to Tiggers, the whoop-dee-dooper bounce. Returning to our more upbeat and whimsical sound that typically follows Tigger, we have a more full representation from the orchestra, primarily with the winds passing between the woodwinds and brass. There's also a rather prominent xylophone. In the song, Tigger discusses all of the technical aspects of this special bounce and displays it for Rue, voiced by Nikita Hopkins. This bounce would continue to play a role in the film for Tigger and Rue, and become one of the biggest tongue twisters for audiences as they sing along and try to get all of Tigger's pronunciations down. It's almost impossible not to fall in with Tigger's excitement and bounce along with him. You can't bounce the bounce if you can't even pronounce the bounce. Eh, eh, eh. Repeat after Tigger. It's got the zip that makes you flip and that's what really counts in the whoop de dooper loop de dooper Now, half this bounce is 90% mental. If you calculate the specific tigger trajectory, your striped acceleration diviferous by the square boot of your rebounce, your vertical situation indicator, and your stripasonic spring inertia should ricochet your hygrolyphic skew silly age into an accelerometric deorbit. Any questions? When do I get to learn the whoopy whooper whooper? I mean the whooper whooper whooper. You whoop de loop de loop per alley you per bounce. You whoop de doop per loop de loop per alley you per bounce. The more you try, the more you fly, and that's what really counts. And the whoop de doop per loop de loop per alley you per bounce. Now you swing your legs up high and you twist your tail in tight. 
wind up all your springs, and with your eyes fixated straight ahead, you let it all loose. Um, is this right? It's best when done by takers, cause our takerific figures are filled with pins and figures, and that's the thing that triggers. The whoop-de-dooper, loop-de-dooper, rally-ooper bounce. The whoop-de-dooper, loop-de-dooper, rally-ooper bounce. The more you try, the more you fly, and that's what really counts. Right, it activates, it elevates, accelerates, and more. You're bouncing off the ceiling like you never did before. The whoop-de-dooper, Piglet, Eeyore, and Kanga try to figure out how they can be more like Tiggers for Tigger when he expects his family to walk into his house for a party. How to be a Tigger is all about the different characteristics, physical and intangible, that make Tigger, Tigger. Brought to life by Nikita Hopkins, Jim Cummings, Kath Sousey, Peter Cullen, John Fiddler, and Andre Stoka, Pooh and friends come together with a whimsical instrumentation full of winds and strings. Each verse is accompanied by a different section taking prominence, passing between the lower and upper voices, representing the character taking the solo verse. For example, for Eeyore, we have a very prominent low-register bassoon, and for Piglet, we have a clarinet solo. The last run of the chorus is a key change, bringing the song to a close as the friends go about preparing for Tigger's party. How to be a Tigger. How to be a Tigger. How to be a Tigger is up to you. Ah, you've got to look like a Tigger. And sound like a Tigger. And act like a Tigger, too. If we paint black stripes on our underwear and glue on whiskers, too, we're bound to appear far more as Tiggers do. <laughs> Unquestionably. Maybe we could all say TTFN and shout hoo 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 hoo. We all might sound a lot more Tiggerish, too. <laughs> you think? And that is how to be a Tigger. How to be a Tigger. How to be a Tigger is up to you. You've got to look like a Tigger and sound like a Tigger and act like a Tigger, too. If we break things up and knock things down and leave the place a mess, that's the thing that Tigger does the best. I don't know. And if I don't eat honey from the honey pot, old Tigger will plainly see. I must be another Tigger because I couldn't possibly be me. And that is how to be a Tigger, how to be a Tigger, how to be a Tigger is up to you. You got to look like a Tigger and sound like a Tigger and act like a Tigger. Um, also. Um, if we could all be happy, full of friendliness and cheer, he'll surely see we are his family. Ah, we're filled with joy and laughter, <laughs> and the happiness he starts. And feel it from the bottom. Our final song for this week was a collaboration between the Shermans and Kenny Loggins. Your Heart Will Lead You Home is performed by Loggins for the closing credits and provides a perfect sentimental ballad to close the film. Primarily featuring guitar in the instrumentation with more instruments joining in softly up to the opening guitar, Loggins is joined by background vocals and minor voices during the chorus, and more prominently in the latter half of the song. The final chorus provides a key change and an increase in dynamics to give a full emotional impact at the end. The song provides the ever-important message that no matter where you are, you carry the love of your family and friends with you, and that they will be waiting for you when you return home.
Sunny days and starry nights and lazy afternoons. You're counting castles in the clouds and humming little tunes. But somehow, right before the rise, the summer fades away. Everything is different and everything has changed. If you feel lost and on your own and far from home, you're never alone. You know, just think of your friends, the ones who care. They all will be waiting there with love to share, and your heart will lead you home. Funny how a photograph. Can take you back in time to places and embraces that you thought you'd left behind. They're trying to remind you that you're not the only one. That no one is an island when all is said and done. If you feel lost and on your own. for another magical music review and for coming back every week to Disney On Demand. Without you, we have no show. Feel free to connect with the D-Team and me on the D-Wire on Facebook or shoot any of us an email with comments, suggestions, or questions. And send me a friend request at Paige Diz Radio. Have a wonderful rest of your week, D-Heads, and until next time, see ya!
bring home the movie your family will cherish again and again. I've got a mama. Don't you have a family somewhere too? Discover the adventure. A family full of tigers. Can you imagine such a thing? And believe in your imagination. You can't help me find tigers. It's all my fault. With Rue. Only the best for my bestest little brother. Eeyore, Piglet, Tigger, and Winnie the Pooh own the Tigger movie. We're always there for you. Coming to video and Disney DVD. It's Disney Blues. Disney on demand. Ooh, I thought you were dead. With your host, Jonathan Johnson. What? My dad gave it to me. It shows exactly where we are on the planet. Boop, beep, 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 boop, boop. Was this baby? We'll never be alone. You just tell the man you want to go back to your mother. All right, all of you D-heads, so I am back, and I hope you enjoyed this week's show. Lots of fun things were going on all show long, full team, so much more, and I want to extend a very special thank you once again to the talented Willie Ames. Thank you for all the memories, these fantastic shows, your legacy, and we'll be tuning into the Up Network so we can see the latest from you as well this June. So thank you, Willie, once again for stopping in, chatting with all of us here at the show, and taking that trip down memory lane. I'd also like to thank the D-team of Paige, Cody, Jason, Aaron, Dominic, Caitlin, all for stopping in here this week with their signature segments. Without you, there would be no show. Everyone would just have to listen to me ramble week in and week out. Remember, you can always connect up with the D-Team on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. Drop them a line, shoot them an email, and connect up with the D-Team. And finally, the most important, thank you, the D-Heads. Without you, there would be no show. You are the reason we continue to bring this show to you for the last seven years. You are the reason that we bring the magic and memories from your lifetime of Disney every single week with new guests, new shows. So thank you for supporting the show and making it truly what it is. Thank you, the D-Heads. So all of you D-Heads, with that said, we have a lot of fun things planned next week here at the show. Yes, as it gets a little bit closer to spring and summer, I'm thinking about camps, and I'm thinking about camping, and I'm going to leave you a little hint as to who's going to be stopping in here next week here at the show right after I tell you all the different ways you can stay connected here at Disney On Demand. Yes, first and foremost, you can always visit our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio. There you can find our full list of past shows, the complete podcast archives, our latest news blogs, and more right there on our official website at DizRadio.com, D-I-Z Radio.com. You can also connect up with us all over the social media outlets on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Disney On Demand. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest, and many other places. Just search Diz Radio, D-I-Z Radio, Disney Blue, and that's B-L-U, or Disney On Demand, all of which are going to help you find our fun, unique, quirky little show and as i always say if you just can't wait you need the magic in your ears instantly it's super easy all you have to do is go to itunes or stitcher radio and subscribe right there you can subscribe and get the latest shows as they get released on your android your iphone your tablet your device of your choice and listen to them as soon as they get released and you can find all of these links and more on our official website at dizradio.com d-i-z radio.com so all of you D-heads, with that said, next week, as I mentioned, I'm thinking of camping, I'm thinking spring is coming, lots of great things. I'm also thinking about all those times you bunk up with people. I'm going to leave it at that, see if you can put all the pieces together. So all of you D-heads, as I always say, 
this weekend. Slow down, take time, never neglect family for business, and make those memories. And I'll be doing just that at the Boy Scouts Blue and Gold Dinner with my boys this weekend. So you do the same. Slow down and make those memories. Make them happen and make them last a lifetime. Don't just wish upon a star. Make it happen starting this weekend. So all of you D-heads, with that said, I am going to press on, close out this week's show, and have a fantastic weekend. For tuning in to Disney Blues, Disney On Demand. The content and thoughts expressed are those of the show and not the Disney company. Now go on and relive the magic, memories, and appreciation from your lifetime of Disney. See you real soon.